What's going on, everybody? My name is Brendan Bennett here with my co-host David Dugan at Real Estate Investing Unscripted, the podcast for real estate investors by real estate investors. Dugan, what's going on? We are very excited today to have two of my favorite people on the planet. And I'm not I'm not bullshitting that these are two of my favorite people in the world, David Barnett and Paul Smatona. Uh, they are going to talk how they got started in real estate, how they scaled, uh, how they created a, a community here in the Cleveland area to help grow and optimize their real estate business and all things in between. Enjoy the show. Paul, David, you guys know you and your business better than we do. So why don't you go ahead and uh, take the reins here and Tell us about yourselves. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce Paul. My name is David Barnett, and uh, Paul and I have been partners now for almost two years. And the relationship began, we met each other out very casually. And town we, Hall. Town Hall. We met at Town Hall, which is a great spot in Cleveland, Ohio. And then about a year later, we connected on a professional level. So Paul's background, electrical engineer by trade, and decided that he wanted to become a real estate investor. Fast forward a couple of years, he's got 50 projects, maybe more under his uh, under his belt. He's done everything from rehabbing bathrooms, kitchens, uh, wiring, electric. I mean, Paul really can do it all. Very sharp guy. So uh, without further ado, Paul Smetona. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and I will introduce my stunning stud of a partner over here, Mr. <laughs> David Barnett. David's got a background in sales, background in basketball as well. And he he learned a lot. I would say a lot, a lot of our relationship works in that like I like I may be focused more on the kind of, let's say, like planning and kind of thinking and that kind of side. And he is he is the the captain, the the action guy that just makes stuff happen. So, you know, he's he's been he's been buying for a similar amount of time as I have. We've both been in the game for four to five years. Um, we both kind of were on very parallel paths. You know, we were, bu- we were we're house hacking. We we're buying small single families and small multis and that kind of stuff and, and updating them, doing a lot of work ourselves. And we, we really started working together about a year ago. Since then, you know, our business have exploded. I mean, we've gone from when we first started working together, a combined probably 30 units to something like maybe 60 plus a bunch of flips and a bunch of other things. A lot of that really, there's kind of been rocket fuel. So, so you know, D- David is a very shrewd investor and, and a, just an action machine. He, he, he makes stuff happen. He doesn't tolerate. I'll do it later. He's got to get down now. And, and I, I love taking his kind of his his first pass at stuff and refining it. And that, that's kind of allowed the two of us to to really just accelerate and and we're building some pretty cool things and um again it really wouldn't i don't think it would have happened for either of us if we didn't kind of serendipitously cross past town hall a couple years ago we are definitely yin and yang and it it works very well very very well man you guys about to make me tear up with these interests (laughs) this is uh quite 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 the partnership going on i'd be curious to just kick it off with with each of you guys if you guys can walk us through what was your like introduction into real estate what was like that founding story for you david and for you paul so what were you in before and what was that like pivot moment that got you into real estate i'll, I'll kick it off so i, I was at i was at a gym surprisingly <laughs> enough and there was a guy there that was talking about real estate maybe six years ago and he said he had just bought a property and i said you know i'm gonna i'm gonna buy a property too and he challenged me he said do it today so i felt challenged and i went to the bank that day and got pre-approved for an FHA mortgage. And within a week, I was under contract on a duplex. So Paul said, I take action. I do. I take action. When I say I'm going to do something, I, I'm going to try my very best to do it. So bought that first property over eight months. I renovated both units, got it rented out. And after a year and a half, I decided, hey, this thing's worth substantially more money than what I paid for it. And I flipped it. 
And then I went into another house hack. It was a three unit in Lakewood, Ohio. And that three unit, similar story, bought it for 260, put money into it. And in fact, just sold it two weeks ago for considerably more. So that was two home runs. That was my intro into real estate. In typical David fashion, you know, he he saw a challenge and immediately responded to the challenge and just kind of did a ready fire aim, which is which is which gets the deal done and did a good job of it. For me, it was typically um, started with like a let's call it maybe a philosophical or maybe existential crisis that landed landed me in real estate. So I had been in engineering for a time a little over five years, and I always thought I wanted to do it, but the more I did it, the more like unmotivated I became because I realized like I could show up to work and not do anything, and. It was exactly the same as if I showed up to work at six and work 14 hours. And that was really unmotivating to me. I was like, I can work so hard. I can get so much done and I don't get a dime for it. And I'm just like, okay, well, what's the point? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that like, you know, like I don't want to do this for another 40 years. Like I I have no problem working for another 40 years, but like, I don't want to be on this. Like, I guess I go to work and it was fine. It was a good job. But so I realized I needed something else. And I really thought through, it was a couple year process of thinking through like, what do I want to do? Like, what's the way out of this? Can I start some like internet business? Can I sell a subscription? If I could sell something for 10 bucks a month and get a couple hundred people to do it, like I could live off of that. But you know, everything I thought about, what I kind of came back to was like, let's say I do start like some, you know, whatever business, maybe I'm doing drop shipping or something like that. The problem is like, if I use that, and then I say now I have passive income, and I can go and live in, you know, freaking Europe for three, for a year and just chill. It doesn't really work, because all it takes is somebody to just do a slightly better job of what you're doing and your business while you're out there hanging out and having fun in Europe, it goes to zero and, and, and you're suddenly, you know, broke. So I didn't like that. And most businesses I came across, I couldn't find something that was passive. That's really what I wanted. And one day I had a good friend of mine who uh, had been helping his parents with some flips and those kind of things and some rentals. And I'm like, what are these renting for? And he kind of gave me the numbers. And I was like, wow, that's that's something that's good. And what drew me to real estate was that if I buy a house and I put a tenant in there and I put a 30-year mortgage on it and my tenant's paying the mortgage plus a little bit extra for me, how can someone take that away from me? You know, I mean, yeah, the tenant could leave, but I'll get another tenant, make sure there's margin. And that's kind of, once I saw that, I immediately knew like, this is going to be my business. I'm going to do this because this has that stability that I'm looking for. And then the more I started reading about it and thinking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, you've got debt pay down and you've got appreciation, but you also have cash flow and depreciation. I think this is too good to be true. I'm going to do it. So I, I had, I had, um, I had a lot of student loans after college and I had gotten accustomed to living like super cheap because I was paying them off and I got them paid off in a few years. And I was like, what do I do with this extra cash? And it all kind of was happening at the same time. So I bought my first house for $22,000 with a partner. We each put down $11,000 cash. It was rented for $800 a month to a uh, to four unrelated adults, a little four-bedroom house with one bathroom. I think within three weeks, we had one of the tenants die in the house. Um, it, was, it, was, it was a brutal introduction. But, you know, even that didn't stop us. And, and it was cash flowing great. We, about two weeks after we bought it, I went and took out a home equity line of credit. They gave us like just a desktop appraisal of like 40 something thousand, gave us 28 grand. And I was like, I've owned this house for three weeks. I've got an extra six grand in my account and 800 a month coming in. And, and my debt service was 160 bucks a month. I was like, damn, like this is good. So we immediately bought another one and another one. I think within three months, we had about 10 units and they all needed rehabs and we had to do them all. So then we spent about two years getting all those rehabs done. And that's roughly when, when I met Dugan. And, and from there, things have kind of really exploded as we learned to kind of think about it more like a business as opposed to just buying houses. Yeah, the the way you guys have scaled is uh, astonishing and awesome. So I, I chuckle when you guys mentioned you're, you're kind of yin, yin and yang. I was thinking back to even even just a month ago, David and I were talking about like, 
okay, I'm looking at some properties. You know, me personally, I'm looking at properties and I'm asking David, hey, how do you look at cash flow? I'm factoring in all these holding costs and I'm picking his brain on stuff. And he's like, yeah, I, I, I mean, if they make money, they make money. And I was like, yeah, but what about X, Y, and Z? You got to talk to Paul about that. Those are numbers. Like that's that's a Paul conversation. And when I met David, uh, I think I walked through your, your triplex and – you were showing me some of the the work you, you were you were lifting the hammer personally in there. You're like, yeah, I did this thing. It's you know the craftsmanship's not perfect, but you know it's functional and the, the tenants like it. And you know I made this little nook and this little cranny and, and whatever. And, and to see you guys to where you've come now, where you've built such a robust operation um, out of that, and you know have have sets of contractors that do your work for you. Can you guys talk about that kind of where you were three years ago to kind of where you scaled to now and, and how you've gotten there? That's a really good question. Honestly, I, I almost have to think back because it, it happens so seamlessly and naturally. But when you put it that way, I think back, I'm like, it is ridiculous how quickly that transition happened because it was only like six months ago, I was still hanging cabinets. And since then, I mean, David, you and I bought between what we've purchased and under contract, probably 30 units in that six months. And, you know, it took us three, four years to get our first dozen and change. It's kind of wild, but I, I think for me, to be honest with you, I always knew that I wanted to do this. I always knew that like, I love the construction side of it, but I was going to have to step away because there's only so many houses you can fix in a year. And my appetite for growth was a lot more than that. And I think what really started to change it for me was like, I sort of knew I wanted to go there, but I didn't know how. And was really when I ran into David because he was the kind of guy who would say, Paul, what are you trying to do? And I'd say, I'm trying to step out of this and, and, and make it happen and scale. And he would say, well, why aren't you doing it? And I would be like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm just doing rehab still. And he'd be like, well, what are you going to do about it? And that's where he was like, let's just take them and take one down. I got a crew. We'll put them on there. And so we really pushed each other. And, and that's that's why I say seriously, like we neither of us would be here without the other one, because, you know, I'm really good at coming up with like, hey, this is where we need to go. Like, what's our hourly rate right now? If I'm swinging a hammer, I'm saving myself 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour. There's someone I can pay 30 or 40 or 50 dollars an hour for that. And I can go do a test that's 100 dollars an hour. And once I've gotten good at that, how do I outsource that? So I've tried to become a really good quitter. The more, the more I do stuff, the more I try not to do it again. Get it outsourced to someone else. Focus on putting the right people in the right places. And the person that's really... So I come up with this strategy and the person that's really pushed me to enact it and enforce it is David. So I think that's kind of my view on it is really what's happened is just a confidence thing. It's actually not hard to do. It's way easier to scale this way and to build a business than it was before. I mean, I was working so hard. You know, I had a day job at the time and then I was working, you know, five to... 11 or midnight every night working on the houses on Saturdays, Sundays. And um, this is so much easier. You just, you find a contractor, you find it, whatever, but it requires, it requires you to kind of think at a little bit of a higher level, sort of like thinking a couple more zeros. And it requires you to solve different problems that sometimes are more uncomfortable. And that's, I think what kept me away from it was like, it was the uncomfortability of saying like, I'm going to entrust my baby to someone else and I'm going to let them fix it, knowing that they might charge me and rip me off. And I'm going to go buy three or four properties. I don't know how I'm going to get them done, but I'm just going to take that leap and figure it out as we go. And that's where David sort of pushed me. He's like, you'll figure it out. You do it. And then he's been really good with the um, kind of operational side of things. So I'll hand it off to you, David. I mean, I think, you know, that's sort of been my focus has been on like strategy and vision. And David's really been big on just like action, personnel, like kind of just like crushing the day-to-day operations to make sure that we don't get crushed under the um, under all the stuff that we're taking on. It's still a challenge. I mean, even, even for myself, I'm, I'm still a W2 guy. Um, I know a lot of folks that might be listening to this maintain a W2 while they expand their real estate portfolio. I'm a pharmaceutical rep and I have to dedicate quite a bit of time to that. So my outside time gets dedicated to real estate. Going back to what Paul said about how much money are we making per hour? Paul started that conversation and challenged me with it. 
and I said, "Hey, if you're going to challenge me with this, I'm, I'm I don't want to live. I don't want to lift hammers anymore. I've mm-hmm. done 10, 10 bathrooms myself, ten kitchens. I painted, you know, entire exteriors of homes, and it was Paul's thinking that said we we need to challenge ourselves to be better. So I did it. I stopped the hammer, and then I challenged Paul. I said, "Hey, Paul, it's your turn. We we, we got to mm-hmm. stop picking up that hammer and that paintbrush." So that was, you know, and, and then I go back to our first flip. And Paul, I'm going to share this with everybody. This is when I knew I, I have to work with Paul Smetona. We bought this property at the peak of the market last year. I think, Paul, when did we close? July? July. 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 Yeah. I mean, just the worst time in the last 20 years to buy a property. Fund that flip. You guys graciously funded it for us, too. Thank you. So we took it down. We, we, it was a five-bed, two-bath property, maybe one bath. But it was pretty nice. And we thought, you know, it appraised for like 175. We got it for 125. We said, hey, we'll put 10 to 15 into it. We'll list it. So some time goes by. There were some issues with the property. We had a couple break ins. And we ended up losing quite a bit of money on this property 30,000, maybe more, Paul. And not once did Paul and I fight with each other. Not once. And we were frustrated. We both were. And our third partner, Jack, he was the same way. We, we all worked together very great. And it was that moment in time that I said, these are the guys I need to partner up with because they're great. They're, they're awesome. They're easy to work with. And I had a lot of respect for them. Yeah, I think, I think final comment on the, on the how do you switch from buying one house to scaling. I think in one sentence, it's solving the problems that are obvious and in front of you, but uncomfortable to solve. You lift a hammer 100 days in a row. It's really easy to go to work the 101st day and lift a hammer. You don't have to think about it. You know what you're going to do. It's not any harder to pick up the phone and call contractor and say, hey, can you come quote this out? And then call a second one and say, quote this out and compare them and who shows up on time, whose truck is clean, who's jacked up. Like, look at that stuff, make a decision, hire them. If they suck, fire them, get another one. Like, it's not hard. It really isn't. But it's uncomfortable because you're used to just going to work and swimming that hammer every day. And that's what the whole scaling thing comes down to. It's not hard. It's just uncomfortable because you're doing something different every day. If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to have a stagnant business. You're going to be working as a job in your own business. If you want to scale something and grow, it requires you when you've got 10 units, you have a different job than when you have 20 and when you have 50. And mm. so that that's the hard thing that I think keeps people away from it is that it's uncomfortable to go in every day and say, hey, yesterday I did XYZ, today I got to do ABC, and tomorrow I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to have to make that call when I get there. And that means I'm going to have to try something new. I'm going to have to learn something. I'm going to have to pick up the phone and call someone that I've never talked to before and kind of sounds silly because I don't know what I'm asking. You have to do that. And and it's again, it's not hard. It's just You just have to kind of embrace the weirdness and the uncomfortableness of it. And that's, I think, the difference between being stuck where I was. I could have done this much earlier. I didn't need to spend three or four years doing kitchens and bathrooms. But and it was again, it was kind of David pushing me to be like, don't be weak, like go make that call. And, and, and that's kind of what's gotten us to where we are. I think it's very well said. And I think from what I do know about your guys' business, David and Paul, is another element of what's allowed you guys to scale is you guys have become very focused on what you will do and what you won't do. So I invited you guys both over to a property that I was looking at that you guys were super great. She gave me some advice on and, and kind of steered me in the right direction. Part of that discussion, I said, David and Paul, if you were in my shoes, would you do this deal? And you guys looked me in the eye and you said, no, like I would not do this deal. It's not because it's a bad deal. It's because it's a deal that doesn't fit our criteria. Can you guys talk about what that criteria is right now? Because I think that helps propel that scale and that uh, exponential growth you guys are talking about. Because saying no is just as important as saying yes. I'm, I'm going to kick this one off and I'm going to hand it over to Paul here shortly because Paul is the guy that developed our criteria. And, and Brennan, I, I, I think back to that property, a big part of scaling up is being able to say no when mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. If it's a good deal, I mean, quite frankly, almost any deal makes sense at the right price. And if it's a great deal at the right price, move forward with it. 
But our criteria, we're, we, we want to make sure that our buy box is pretty open. We want to make sure that any property that comes our way, we can do something with it. Whether it's working with our wholesalers, whether it's working with our investors that we might you know, be able to get the property to, whether we take it down ourselves using maybe like a fund that flip, we go through most of our properties with you guys. We want to make sure that we have a spot for almost every property that comes our way. And with that said, Paul, I'm going to kick it off to you to kind of get into the details. Yeah, I, on that. I, th- I think that's that's generally right. Um, but even with us kind of exp- trying to get our box as big as we can, so we can take advantage of as many opportunities as possible, we sort of have a couple different buy boxes. So we've got one that's like, hey, this is a property we're going to take down for ourselves. And if we're taking it down for ourselves, there's two options: we're either going to flip it or we're going to fix it up and hold it. And generally, those properties, what they look like is we're buying it at a point where we can pretty much do the rehab, refinancing, and get almost all of our money back. We have a limited $10,000 property for a single family home. So we're not going to leave more than 10K, including financing costs and closing costs and all that kind of stuff. And our goal is zero. So if we're going to keep it, our goal is to not have any money left in. So it means we need to find a really good deal and be very careful with what we do in the rehab to make those numbers work. Um, so, so that's the first thing. Now, we may still flip that property. But I don't like to take on a flip if I don't have an ulterior or an alternate back um, exit strategy. So I look to make sure that A, we can flip it and B, we can hold it. If it checks both of those boxes, it's likely that we're going to keep that one ourselves. Um, now, we do have some criteria in terms of what does it mean to can you flip it? So, for example, you know, we'll do a flip to make 10 grand. A lot of people will say my minimum is 30, but I think like that's really low resolution thinking. It doesn't make sense. For me, if I can buy a house, like let's say I find a house that's 75,000 and it's really clean and it needs absolutely nothing and I know it's worth 95. It's like, I can take that down with you guys. I can literally own it for one day, list it on the market and sell it for 95. I got to pay fees. I got to pay you guys your fees. I got to pay uh, realtor fees to the buyer and all that kind of stuff. But I can make $10,000 in a day and I don't have to do any work. Mm-hmm. Like it takes me no effort. I can get, you guys will get the funding going. It'll take me 15 minutes. Next day, you know, once we're closed, it's like a day to list it and, and we're up and running. I'll take that deal all day long. Now, if you tell me that I'm going to have to go gut three kitchens and five bathrooms and rip right. out a wall to make 10K, no freaking way. So at the end of the day, the, what we've kind of established is number one, no matter how much money we put into the house, we need to make that much again in profit. So if I do a $20,000 rehab, I got to make 20 grand. Number two is we got to make a minimum of $10,000 a month. If we have a 90 day rehab, it better make us 30K because that means for three months, that's on our plate. If it's a 25 or 30 day rehab and it's almost no work, like I might do that for 10K. So that's sort of how we set our criteria. Properties that don't fall into the ones that we're going to hold, we've got different strategies. So there's a lot of properties where it's like, hey, this is a good deal. It's not for us. You can't quite get all your money out in a refi. Those we might kick out to partners. We might just say, hey, here's a deal. You might want to buy it. Or sometimes we'll take those down with partnerships. We've got partnerships where um, investors will bring in capital where they may say, hey, you're going to get this back in a couple of years, but it's not going to be like immediate. But for a lot of people, that's still a way better return than what they're going to find if they just go there buy the average rental on the market. So we'll partner with people. They bring in cash. We'll take. We'll form a joint joint LLC. We'll take it down. We'll hold it. We'll manage it. So we've got options like that. And there are a few other things that I won't go into in terms of how we can make deals work. But in a nutshell, it's those kind of criteria. So back to your property, Brandon. The reason it was no is because I don't think there's any way. You know, if I'm going to do a hundred thousand dollar rehab in this, there's no way I'm making a hundred k. So for me, that right. that's an out. Doesn't mean you're not going to make money on it. It's not. Doesn't mean it's not a good deal. But it means that I'm going to put that my energy is better off spent in a place where I can hit that criteria, where I can get the one for one return. Um, that's why we both looked at you and said, "Hey, probably a good deal, not for us." Sure, and that makes a ton of sense, right? Because what I hear there is you created a buy box in a, in a deal box that works for the two of you that the two of you have discussed. And it probably took quite a bit of trial and error to get there. It wasn't like you sat down day one with a, no. a, a napkin and a pen and said, okay, this is our buy box, just yeah. spitballing. Like you had to do some deals. You figure out what worked, what didn't, what made sense, what doesn't. Exactly right. 
I would imagine that was probably a work in progress, right? Still is. You ask me again in six months, I'll probably give you a slightly different answer. Again, I'm really happy with where we're at. What we have is is massively reduced our workload and our mental workload because we can just look at properties and say yes or no. We don't have to think about it. But we're continuing to refine it. And as our, our organization changes and as we've got more people helping us, like maybe maybe it expands the number of deals we can take down. But yeah, 100% agree. This is something we found by, I've done a lot of 12-month six-figure rehabs. I mean, I'm still doing them. You guys are funding the one for me right now. I'm on 16th in Detroit. That's a $155,000 rehab. Mm-hmm. But it's a different strategy. Like, I'm going to hold that one as an Airbnb. It's I'm going to get all my money out. I bought the thing for, what did I buy, for 83000 and it appraised at three fifty four. We're putting 155 in. You know, it's a good deal. It's going to be an amazing Airbnb. It's going to do super well. So, like, for something like that, sure. But, like, that's a side project. When it comes to the business that we're trying to scale, we're 100% focused on that buy box and we'll continue to, to and, and it's again, by doing these big projects that I've learned, like David, if you and I want to have a big thriving business in six months and it's taking us 12 months to rehab a house and that's how long it takes us to, turn, to cycle through mm-hmm. money, it's never going to happen. It's going to take 10 years. So we need to be quick if we're, if we're going to make this going. And that's sort of that sort of discussion combined with our both of our joint experience it is really what kind of got us to the point where we kind of knew what we wanted to and, do. And, and Paul, I want to just kind of expand too, like, we get these awesome deals. I mean, you bought that for 83 on West 116th. And what one of the reasons that property is so special is, and we know this living in Cleveland, it's on the Cleveland side of Lakewood. Lakewood is the first suburb out of Cleveland, and it's really expensive. Taxes are higher. And you're on once you're on 116th. West 117th is Lakewood. So that was a great deal. And the reason that we've been able to get those great deals is we're really loyal to the people that are good to us and we're good to those people too. That's and true. Paul got that deal through a title agent mm. that we use often in uh, innovative title. And we have a lot of partners that we're just loyal to, and we've built these great relationships and it, it, we, what we get to them, it comes back to us too. This podcast is brought to you by Flipperforce house flipping and building software. Right now, Flipperforce is offering 25% off all subscriptions plus a free 30-day trial. Tired of using spreadsheets to manage your projects? Looking for a system to consistently track your deals? Flipperforce is an all-in-one platform for real estate investors to successfully run their businesses, whether flips, new constructions, or rentals. Flipperforce lets you analyze deals, estimate rehab costs, create project schedules, and track expenses so you can focus on doing the work. To claim your 25% off, visit www.flipperforce.com, click the chat button to connect with our team, and enter the code UNSCRIPTED to start your free 30-day trial, plus get 25% off your subscription. Offer subject to change at any time without notice. If I can build on that a little bit, you guys are heavily involved in the Cleveland real estate scene in the form of networking. You guys co-host an event with our local rep, Jake Barnes in in Cleveland. Can you guys talk a little bit about that, about how that came about and what motivated you guys to, you guys were always up on stage, you know, bringing up keynote speakers. And I think people view you guys as kind of like the center of the hub of that Cleveland investor network. And uh, you guys do it because you love it. But it, David, I think it kind of feeds in what you were just saying, right? You guys probably find deals that way. You make great connections. Real estate's very, you know, handshake and who do you know kind of business. So walk me through that, how that came about and the motivation. About three years ago, I was uh, connected with a professional organization in Cleveland that wasn't just real estate investors. It was bankers. It was insurance guys. It was business owners. And um, a good friend of mine, Nolan James, who's also a real estate investor and an attorney in Cleveland, who is the co-founder of this group, said to me, hey, you should start something that's dedicated for real estate investors. You love it. 
And I, I said, yeah, I'm going to do that. So within a few weeks, I set up a, a, an outing at Top Golf, and I invited, I invited all of my real estate friends, all twenty of them, and maybe fifteen of them showed up. I didn't really know Paul too well at this time, so Paul wasn't there. David Dugan, I think you showed up to that. I was there. Yeah, you were there, my, my man. I appreciate uh, that. Ground floor. So that that was a cool little event, uh, and then two and a half months later, we did the same thing. We found a speaker for the next event, and it was our guy Adam Craig, who's a commercial real estate guy in Cleveland. He's awesome. He's a, he's a mentor to myself and Paul. We love Adam. Adam was our speaker. We brought in maybe 20 or 30 folks to kind of listen to Adam speak and tell his story. And Paul was at that event. And at after that event, I said, hey, Paul, you know, you seem like a great guy and you're doing so much in real estate. Would you want to be part of this with me? And Paul graciously accepted. And, um, you know, Paul, I'm going to kick it over to you to kind of fill in the blanks yeah. of from that point until where we are today. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's funny because this comes full circle. So you invited, at that point, you're like, hey, invited me to help you with it. And I was like, absolutely, I'd love to be more involved. And there's a guy that, that actually Dugan had introduced me to. So David Dugan had introduced me to Tal Tamir maybe six months or a year earlier. And I got to know him a little bit. We, we met for coffee, had a conversation. He was a little further ahead of me, but on a similar path and um, just super good guy. Like one of those guys you talk to him, you're like, wow, you're just a great dude, but also like kind of an inspiration. Um, you know, he went from driving for FedEx and, and Uber Eats or something like that. Uh, four years later, had a couple or not even like three years later, had a couple hundred units. He uh, started a team with Russell. He was, I think, the the highest grossing team. Was it nationwide, David, or was it Ohio? But it was nationwide. Yeah. And, and Paul, I'm just I'm going to make sure I throw Lauren in there, too. She's done such a great job with tell his wife. Yeah. They're amazing um, to him. She's done a great job to, you know, to help him grow right. too. So I, so we brought him in and he was gracious enough to come speak. And, and it was just, it was awesome because his story is so good. And I think at this point we had probably gotten close to 40 or 50 people there. Dugan was showing up. We had a couple other fun that flip guys. And from there it just kind of snowballed, you know, it was, it's a really good group. And every time we go there, we just leave being like, wow, like I had fun tonight. Like <laughs> we met a lot of cool people. We got to talk with a lot of other people who are like young and full of energy and, and doing the same things that we're doing. And it's just become something, you know, now it's gotten to the point where you guys are obviously heavily involved in, and, and kind of co-branding that with us has, has been a lot of fun. You guys are helping out with a lot of legwork and also we're being able to tap into your network, which is growing it even further. But still at its core, it's just a bunch of people who love real estate getting together once every other month to, to hang out and talk. And it's just a perfect place to share because we've got contractors who show up. We've got investors mm-hmm. who show up. We've got lenders who are there. We've got insurance people, a title company. I mean, it, and it's everyone just coming to kind of learn, hang out. It's mostly just getting together. And, and it's a group where if there's something you need, you just ask for it and someone will find it for you. You need a property manager, you'll find it. You need a contractor, you'll find it. You're an investor and you're looking for an agent, you'll find it. Other way around, you'll find that too. So it's something that you know we've we've continued to do and, and we're looking forward to continuing on with you guys. Uh, we For us, there's a lot of value. We found deals from it. We found contractors from it. We found mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And I think for a lot of the people there, it's given them the kind of push they needed to maybe buy the first or their second property. And, and hopefully for you guys, it's been, it's been helpful too, where you're able to connect with people and, you know, find where your, your interests are aligned and you can help people and they help you in the process. Yeah. And I, I, I'll get on my soapbox a little bit about the happy hour, the organization that, that you guys and and Jake have worked on created uh, or creating, because um, not only has it helped me, but I'll give you an example. So a few weeks ago we had, the co-founder of Invest Her on the podcast, and she was excellent. And she talked a lot about the importance of having a community. And, and I agree with that a ton. And, and I think what you guys have created is a community where, where you're not asking anybody for anything. It's not 
solely for personal benefit. You are not trying to sell anything there. You are truly trying to get like-minded people together to share information, to benefit one another. And I can, you know, from personal experience, it has helped me, right? The two of you helped me not only find, but, but acquire my first investment property. And as much as I think that I know about investment properties, I realized throughout that process that like, you don't really know anything until you go through it. And it's nice to be able to pick up the phone and call a Paul or a David or a tall or any of the number of different people that are, are in that group and, you know, pick their brain on how, how you can go about certain situations and, and just having that sense of community. Like I, I don't think I'd be able to do that without that community. And I think there's a lot of other people that would agree. And it helps you live outside of that comfort zone that you guys were talking about earlier, right? It helps relieve some of that anxiety that you would get by living outside of that comfort zone and and become more of a doer, right? Take an action on it. So I'll get off my soapbox, but uh, it's uh, it's a very cool thing that's been created there. And I think uh, it's picking up steam and and it's helped a ton of people here in the Cleveland area. And um, yeah, it's cool. So David and Paul, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fire up a question, you guys, to kind of round us out here. So um, I want you to imagine that it's 2025. So two years from now, we have you guys back on the podcast. Real Estate Investing Unscripted is number one on, on uh, Spotify and YouTube. Uh, we have you guys back on. What does your business look like? What are you telling us about your business? What did you develop in a two-year period? Uh, what did you go towards? What did you go against? Put yourself in two years from now shoes. You know, this is actually something we think about a lot, and and, it, and it's been challenging because for me, a lot of the things that I put a couple of years out six months ago have already passed. So it's almost a challenge to think big enough. But but I think what's what's happening for sure is you know we've I've built a single family and small multifamily acquisition business. David's done the same. We've jointly built a much better single family and small multifamily flipping and acquisition business, which is scaling quickly. We're going to continue to push really hard on that. You know, right now we're buying approximately a unit a week. Um, we want to double that, maybe triple that by the end of this year. And we also want to step away from that. So, you know, we, we've sort of built a blueprint for how this runs. We have the systems. We say, these are the criteria. This is how you find your deals. This is how you finance your deals. This is how you run the numbers. And at this point, it's just an operational game. So the same way that I said earlier, you know, we got to challenge ourselves to be uncomfortable and do the next thing. We have to step away. We'll keep an eye on it, but we're looking to kind of put other people in place to keep to keep that running for us. Um, and, and as that allows us, frees up our time to go to the next level, we're going to try to do the same thing on kind of like a small to mid-sized multifamily. So we're looking at 10 and 20 and 30 units. We're going to be taking those down. We're going to be flipping them. We're going to be holding them. And we're going to build that business. And in two or three years from now, I hope that we've already built that business and we've moved on and we're buying 100 unit buildings. Additionally, I think, you know, we're both active agents in the area and we, we both really love that side of it, too. Um, so we'll likely build an agent business as well. We've got a lot of really good young talent, you know, people that people that are looking to get involved that that we love to work with. So we will probably have an agent team of our own at some point um, or, or at least work together on someone else's team and be and be able to sort of mentor some of these guys. So I think likely there'll be at least three businesses. There'll be the single family flip or small kind of flip flip slash hold or maybe flip two thirds of them, keep a third of them. That's going to continue and that's going to grow. We're going to have a multifamily flipping business. And um, I think we'll likely have an agent business as well. Can't wait to check in on that. Excited for you guys. I'll add. Love Actually, it. I'll add to that. I'll, 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 always, I'll kind of close Always does. Well. He never lets me off easy, you know? <laughs> well, you guys pause, you know? You, you guys gave me a chance to talk, and I love to talk. So <laughs> Paul loves analogies. He loves sayings, and they're, they're, they're really funny sometimes. And this was a really good one. So one of our capital partners, Dr. Will Andrews, one of the best dentists out there. He's in Avon Lake, Ohio. Shout out to Will. Um, he and his wife bought in with us. And we bought a property with them. And, 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 and during that time period, we went out there and we checked out Will's, Dr. Will's practice. 
Paul and I did. And he explained to us the way that it works with dental offices. Teeth cleanings are a huge part of the business. And maybe you do 40 teeth cleanings uh, a day. I don't know what it is. And that kind of that kind of pays the bills. And then the doctor is kind of in charge of the higher level stuff, the surgeries and 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 the and the wisdom teeth and things like that. Paul likens our business to our flipping business to our teeth clinics. We want to have a lot of those going at all times, and we want to have a partner who's not on the show today, but he's wonderful, kind of working on those teeth clinics and making sure that we have that capital coming through. Whereas Paul and I can then level up and start working on buildings, like Paul said, that have a couple more zeros. And that's how Paul and I think over time. That's how we're going to win. So that's in five years. That's where we want to be. We want to be scaling up and look, look, looking at bigger properties. Love it. I think a final challenge too is, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that fun that flip scales up as well. I mean, you guys have a great shop, you know, shameless plug. You got, you guys are a big part of why we're scaling. You know, I, that's one been one of the things that's held me back is the lending process. Just too much work, too much effort, too much overhead to where like, you know, if it takes me 40, 30 hours, which was not uncommon to get through underwriting for a fix and flip loan with some of the people I'd used in the past. It, a, I didn't want to do it. I hate that kind of work. And B, it was just, it was such, it was such a, like, who's going to do that? Like you need a whole week's worth of work to get, to get one $70,000 house finance. It's crazy. So with you guys, I think it's helped us a lot where it's probably takes me roughly 15 minutes start to finish to have a, something finance. Now it's maybe 10 minutes up front, five minutes later, a couple of texts, a couple of calls, a couple of weeks go by and we're done. Um, but that's been huge. And I would love to see a situation in that two years when you come by and I'm showing you the 100 unit and the 500 unit and the 300 unit building that we've done. I would love to see a situation where you guys have funded some of those. I think it's an opportunity for you guys. And, and I would say, I hope you come back into yours and you, and you smack me if I, have, if I haven't bought those buildings. And I'm going to do the same for you if you haven't financed one for me. Because there's a need for that. And I think, I think there's a business model. Like, you know, in my, in my rental business, mine's very different from David's, our separate businesses. David's is like, let's get this bench built here. And it's not that great, but it's structurally sound and someone will use it. Mine is like, I, I'm, an, I'm kind of OCD. I'm a perfectionist. And my, you know, my construction is very different. Like we go way over the top, super nice rehabs, but we get very premium rents. And I think I think the same could be true for you guys. Like, like you don't need to be the cheapest lender. You don't need to be fighting for half a percent. Like make it to where you've got a good margin, but you provide a superior product. I'll use it all day long. And that's why I use you guys in the short term. Like, I don't care if I can go find, you know, try to hunt for an extra half a percent off or something like that. I need the person that gets the deal done and lets me do 10 in a month instead of two. I don't care if I save 200 bucks in each of those two when I lost out on the 100 grand I was going to make on the other eight. So I would love to challenge you guys as well and say, hey, like, you know, I know I know you've talked about growing into other products and, and you know, other types of stuff. I think you should do that. I would love to see you guys step into the long term game. I would love to see you guys step into stuff bigger than four or six or eight units. And it would be great for us if we could grow with you and not have to go find another partner when we get there, because that's definitely where we're going. Challenge accepted. I like the sounds of that. That's Brendan's world. Got it. Put it on the docket, Brendan. Cool. Dugan, if you want to sign us out, this is uh, this has been awesome. Let's round it up. Awesome episode. Awesome having you guys on. I look forward to uh, where you guys are headed. And of course, I, I have fun every couple of months when we get together for Invest CLE. So I'm looking forward to the next one of those and you know every conversation we have in between. Um, so thank you so much. It was great chatting with the both of you and, and really appreciate you guys coming on. Make sure to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions for us to talk about on the show, make sure you send them over to us at podcast at funthatflip.com. That's podcast at funthatflip.com. We also have sponsorship opportunities, so be sure to hit us up if you want to support a show that keeps it real for real estate investors. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Fun That Flip and produced by Converso. 
Fund That Flip is here for real estate investors all over the U.S. We are the premier hard money lender connecting active investors to passive ones through crowdfunded loans in order to make real estate investing accessible to everyone. We believe providing transparency into our process as well as research and resources for investors at every stage, we can open up the world of REI to more people and help small businesses everywhere transform their communities and make an impact on their neighborhoods. Learn more at fundthatflip.com. Make sure to rate us and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube.